all, hello and welcome to another episode of A Better Conversation. I'm Gus Simpson, sitting here across the table from the pastor of disaster himself, Aaron Couch. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I feel like it has been so long since we've actually just done this together. It has, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I, I feel a little feel a little awkward. It's like a first date or something. A little, little homesick. Yeah. It's a little homesick today. And, uh, and speaking of first dates, uh, today's topic is marriage. Uh, Aaron, what made you decide you wanted to tackle this topic today? Well, I, I just feel like it's so, it's becoming increasingly easy for people to either choose just to live together uh, when they're um, dating. We'll just move in together and see if it works. Or um, people just avoid a commitment altogether or they bail out on it too quickly. Like, this is too hard. It's not what I signed up for. You're not who I thought you were or whatever. And um, so I really want to just reaffirm marriage and some of the realities of marriage and what it does for us and how important it is. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's, it's sad, but, uh, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, it felt like all my friends were getting married, you know, it was kind of the season of life coming out of college. And now we're kind of entering the season where I'm starting to see friends' marriages fall apart. Yeah. It's really hard. You know, I'm seeing people divorce, I'm seeing affairs and, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people maybe haven't been given the tools they need to really get through the harder times. Yeah, that third – it's the third highest, seven to ten years, third highest uh, time zone for divorces. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, so let's start with some general marriage truths. Uh, kick us off, Aaron. Yeah, so <clears throat> when you go to uh, the book of Genesis and what we see um, – in the beginning when everything was right. And this is so critical for us to grab a hold of. Uh, I'm, I'm all for if somebody feels like they, they don't want to ever get married, that is okay. But what God says in the beginning is it's not good for man to be alone. And so he makes a helpmate suitable for him. And that's something that we should immediately chuckle about, especially if we find our, our helpmate <laughs> to be less than suitable for us, <laughs> or we believe that because, because what does it mean that this, this helpmate is suitable? And I think uh, Emerson, Emerson Eckrich, who wrote Love and Respect, mm-hmm. it, he, it's a, he has a really good statement. What he says is, and I really believe it's true, that, that God designed marriage to knock the edges off of you so that you could be prepared for glory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like um, if you pull apart the Hebrew word that's translated helpmate, which is actually two words that aren't even translate, translate, they don't really translate the second word. Uh, the first one is azir, which means helpmate. But the second one is konegdo, which literally means opposed support. Mm-hmm. It's like this push, pull, give, take, tension. Um, uh, another way to describe it would be the perfect enemy. <laughs> like it's that, all that sounds about right. Sometimes <laughs> it almost is as if we come into the relationship and um, we are sandpaper for one another to round us out. Mm. Yeah, and that's something that that is so important for us to understand because the goal of marriage isn't that I'm happy. It's it's not that I'm fulfilled, and we come to marriage in our culture believing that marriage is supposed to make me happy. And I love what uh, Gary Thomas, who wrote Sacred Marriage, what he says is marriage isn't to make you happy, it's to make you holy. Mm. Um, and I really believe that. Like Marriage is designed to bring about a better version of Jesus living in you. And that's why opposites attract. They have to attract, because if if you married somebody that was just like you, no better version of Jesus would be living in you. You would be the same mm. 
you would be the same. You wouldn't be pushed to grow. Yeah, yeah. Change. You wouldn't become aware of your your flaws and shortcomings right. and areas you need to grow in. Right, and learn to celebrate it. Yeah. Not not just resent the fact that your spouse is different than you. Why wouldn't you do this this my way? Well, because they're not you. They're yeah. not anything <laughs> like you. They don't see the world the same way. Nothing. Um, but to rather than to resent that, but to celebrate the differences, because in those differences we see a better version of Jesus living in both of us. So that's I think that's God's view of marriage, that it's designed to be sacred. It's designed to be something that brings about a, a holiness in us. It helps us lay our lives down. Um, if you think about the Genesis 3, when God comes to Adam and Eve after they've eaten the fruit, and you look at all the weird, the weird punishments, we'll call them punishments, that God gives them, it doesn't seem to make any sense. Like, how is this connected uh, I ate an apple. Let's we'll pretend it's an <laughs> apple. That's what the that's what the pictures say. I ate an apple. Why why then do I have greatly increased pain in childbearing? You know, like there's this. I I I did what my wife told me to do. Why then are there weeds? You, mm-hmm. It's this weird thing. But if you think about from Adam's and God's relationship perspective, so Adam was created to work the ground and the ground is now going to work against him very much like God created Adam to work with him. And then Adam chose to work against him. So what God does even in this is, is to put him in a position where in order for you to fulfill your creative purpose, you're going to have to lay yourself down so that you Mm -hmm. can take hold of everything that you were intended to be. Mm. And that and marriage is the perfect breeding ground for that kind of a reality for us over and over and over again. In order to take hold of everything that God's intended you to be, you're going to have to be able to lay your life down. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, it, and that's just a good general life principle: is you you don't grow unless you go through struggle and you know times of difficulty and right, right. You got something to push against. Yeah, and our our culture super hard to stay married in our culture for the reason that, and we've talked a bit about this before, but. We live in a culture that says, if you have a desire, you should have the freedom to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. You should. And go after it. Like, go for the gusto with it. Like, you you just need to make your dreams come true. Well, when you're in a marriage, it's about being wholly invested in one another. Mm -hmm. And not wholly as in completely, but wholly as, like, from a whole place in my own heart, I need to be invested in you. Um. Not in, not from a broken place, because when I invest in you from a broken place, then what winds up happening is uh, I wind up investing in you so that I get something in return, and that's that's not the goal. Yeah. I want uh, I want to be able to give to you so that you don't it, it, without regard for what I get in yeah. return. So Obviously. just so that you're better. But our culture is flies against that. It, what it says is you don't you don't have to. You don't have to give up of yourself. If you have a desire, you should be able to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Just follow your heart. You're, yeah. you're in the great words of the philosopher Jewel. Um, follow your heart, your intuition. It will lead you in the right direction. I, I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure that's true. I think what we do is we make decisions based on what's right, not not on what our heart tells us. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine um, the people who fought and died for our freedom – storming the battle line and their heart wanted them to get shot and killed. And yet they laid their lives down as a matter of conviction. And because of that, we receive benefit. Like we know intrinsically that life 
doesn't function this way. And yet our culture invites us to say, if you have a desire, you should fulfill it. So if, if you're married and you said you'd be loyal, but then there's this other person that's really interesting. I have a desire to do whatever with them. Mm -hmm. And so why shouldn't I do that? And my spouse is a dirty so-and-so anyway. Yeah, it's a really dangerous mindset to get into. It's And it's a slippery slope, and we wind up neglecting kids. You 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 don't spend time with your kids. You don't have the hard mm-hmm. conversations with your kids. And I know a lot of parents that come in with teenagers that are jacked up, and they're like, man, I, I don't know what to do to fix my kid. And it's their kid is where they are in part because – they didn't have crucial conversations when they were younger because they wanted their kid to like them. Yeah. And that's not the goal of parenting, right? Like it's this whole mindset of culture that I don't want to do these hard things. I want to do whatever I have a desire for. That's what I should be able to do. And so our culture mm-hmm. flies in the face of – Instant gratification. Yeah, anything relational, anything relational. And so it winds up really, really messing things up. Um, that, and that that shows up – but it's the opposite of love. Like if we're going to define love, I would define love as – uh, wholly investing in the well-being of another person without regard for what I get in return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, when I do that, um, when we come into a marriage with the goal of getting my needs met, like, especially, let's talk about Christian marriages. And let me put this caveat on this. I'm not talking about marriages where there's abuse or messed up things. I'm talking about the normal run-of-the-mill Christian marriage. Yeah, just two two imperfect people that have being are completely <laughs> naive coming into yeah. this marriage believing that's going to fix all their problems, which is another problem with marriage. When you're single, you think that man, if I get married, it'll cure all my problems. Which the problem with that is that it's true, <laughs> but it creates a whole new yeah, set of problems. Just, just trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you fixed you fixed all your loneliness problems. Yeah. <laughs> However, you created all yeah. these other problems. Yeah, sometimes you wish you could be lonely for, for a yeah. couple of days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then you're like, man, what I wouldn't give to be single again. Um, but that, you know, when both people come into a marriage and their desire is to get their needs met from the marriage. So I come to you in marriage with my desire to for you to meet my needs. Um, that is a, an equation for disaster. And it creates all kinds of conflict, all kinds of fights. And I, I mean, early on in my wife and I's marriage, that was exactly mm-hmm. um, where we were coming from. And uh, the, on the flip side of that, love would be to come into the marriage willing to give my whole life to helping you be everything that God's made you to be. And when we both do that together, when it's yeah. when that's mutual – then both sides get their needs met and I don't have to press my own rights to do it. That's when marriage is beautiful. Yeah. So how do we uh, manage those expectations? Yeah. So uh, I I went and sat down yesterday with my wife and said, hey, um, we're going to do this podcast on marriage. (laughs) What is the message that you would want us to communicate? She was like, oh, I got some things to say. (laughs) And she just rattled off to did it. It was really good. She's My wife's super smart. But um, she was saying that – the, probably the most important thing for her to learn early on was that marriage ebbs and flows. Mm. Like it's not this constant uptick trajectory to uh, euphoria um, that sometimes you're so close to your spouse and sometimes you just can't be in the same house with them. Mm-hmm. You can't stand them. Um, she said, Hey, I think that's a strong word, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, sometimes you just really don't like your spouse at all. Yeah. Like not at all. Don't want to look at them, not even in your peripheral. Um, but that's, that doesn't mean what, what the danger is, is that in that moment, if you don't know any better, what a lot of people do is like, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. I don't think I should have, maybe I made a poor choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that doesn't mean you made a poor choice. Um, my wife and I say it this way. Uh, the There's certain days that you wouldn't trade your spouse for the world. And then there's days that you trade them for a Diet Coke. Uh, and so we have Diet Coke days in our in our relationship. And we do. And still, we just celebrate. Do, do you call it that? It's like, hey, babe, I'm having a Diet Coke day. Yeah. So if you could just leave. Well, I think I, not on the front end, but on the back end, we're like, you know, let's be honest. That was a Diet Coke day. Um, that That's one of those things that uh, – we just celebrated 25 years of marriage and um, that w- as we reflect back on that, we've had lots of Diet Coke days and maybe even Diet Coke seasons in our marriage, but that wasn't an equation to bail out. That's part of what gives our relationship today depth and color mm-hmm. and meaning and beauty. And like, I know her in all of the worst possible moments and she knows me in all of my worst possible moments and we still choose each other. Yeah. Like that's beautiful. There's yeah. a real beauty in that. It's easy to love somebody that's only awesome. <laughs> and the reason that somebody would be only awesome is just because you haven't spent enough time with them. Yep. yep. So you got to manage those expectations. Um, that's why everyone seems awesome when you just start dating them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody. I remember when my wife and I had been dating for a month, the, this, this hung, this stuck with me. She looked at me and she goes, I can't find anything wrong with you. <laughs> and <laughs> And I was like, every once in a while, I'll bring that moment up. She's like, she doesn't remember. I never said that, yeah, but I, I she think, did. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember my wife's telling me like a couple months in, she's like, I don't think I could ever be mad at you or fight with you. I'm like, you know, Sweet. fast forward eight years yeah. later. <laughs> what, yeah, how'd that work out? Where'd that, where's that person at? Who? Where's the person I dated? Um, and they're kind of asking the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, I think when we come into marriage, we have – uh, expectations about what marriage is going to look like. And my wife was talking about this. Like she had this romance novel idea of what marriage was going to look like, which is kind of funny. She was like, in the romance novels, the guy knows everything to say, just when to say it. Well, the reason is because the author's controlling <laughs> both sides of the conversation. The author put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> right. Like, what would I want a guy to say to me at this moment? Well, of course he knows what to say, right? And that, And that's the, well, I just got to go find that man. No, that human doesn't exist. That human doesn't exist. Relationship is about you. I'm not a mind reader, mm-hmm. and I don't just know, and I can't just feel. And so, um, the goal of relationship is that in those messy places where, man, I responded wrong. Sorry about that. I want to. I want to fight for understanding in this. I want to know you. I want to understand you. And it goes back to something that we said before. Everybody wants to be seen, heard, and understood. Like, are we working toward that in our marriage? That's really good. So uh, where are some, uh, some practical mindset adjustments or tools we can use to help ourselves be better at being a marriage partner? Yeah, and I, and I love how you said that, Gus, because this is really important. <clears throat> this isn't about I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to go, oh, my spouse needs to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Like my wife needs to hear this part. So I'm going to go like that. That's what you should do. That would be something that somebody who's in an abusive relationship would experience, mm-hmm. like to have a partner that's Talk. like, here's what you need to become, this idealized thing. Yeah. This, the goal of this would be, how, what are some things that I can work on? Yeah, start with yourself. Yeah, fix me. And I, what I find is the more that I work on becoming the right kind of partner to my spouse, the more she becomes the right kind of partner for me. Mm-hmm. It's weird how that works out. But I think uh, don't be too focused on making your spouse something different. Um, someone told me when we were dating, when Kelly and I were engaged, that they were dating somebody that their mom had told them, um, when you're when you marry a guy, it's like buying a sweater. 
you buy the sweater and then you shape it to fit you. Ooh, that's toxic. Yeah. And I was like, there's so many layers of not healthy in that, not even a little bit. Um, and, and at, even at 18, 19, 20 years old, I'm, I'm listening to that going, I, I can't, at that point, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that just doesn't feel right yeah. that I would marry you under the suspicion that I am dissatisfied with you, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that's just crazy to me. It's just crazy to me. You, you should, you will grow and change. Like I am not today the person oh, that yeah. my wife married. And I think that's just part of life, but yeah. you should marry your spouse under the assumption that if they never ever change to be anything different, you would be able to love them well. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then you need to change you, yeah. not them. Yeah. yeah, and you have to learn to embrace those differences because the things that my wife does really well are some of the things I suck at, like hospitality, like reading people's emotions, like yeah, being able, being compassionate, being generous. Like those are things I struggle with. Like yeah. these, these are things she's really good at. And sometimes it's a huge, you know, it, it drives me nuts in the moment sometimes because I'm like, why can't we just like be rational and get through this? And yeah. you know, but like she, she brings a softer side to me that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. If I had someone who was just like me. Well, and I think about like, <laughs> no one would ever want to come visit our house if there were two me's <laughs> like for my wife. Um, she, as far as planning life goes, she can't plan past the end of her own nose, <laughs> but she is super present with people in mm-hmm. the moment. And, and that's something that I'm, I struggle with. Yeah. Uh, and so she really, I, I admire that in her as far as her ability to just make people feel like they matter in the moment. Cause I'll walk out of a conversation going, gosh, I should have been somebody different there mm-hmm. for them. That person needed me to be something different. And I didn't because I was planning something either the next part of the conversation, or I was planning a thing that I had to go to next or, but I wasn't present with them. And my wife is brilliant at that. Yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> another big piece of this is make sure that you, when you're in a disagreement, that you own your part before accusing your spouse of anything else. Make sure that you own your own part first. Like what is my role? Mm. And that isn't, well, my role is I don't trust you because you did it, right? That's not ownership. That's backdoor accusing. I think I was visiting with a guy who could not, he could not see his own role in his relationship. He just couldn't see it. And, um, I, and he was talking to me about his wife and how to fix his wife. And I'm like, she's not even here. Like, what are we going to do? Like, why are we talking about her? Let's talk about you. And he's like, well, my role is I can't trust. And I said, why can't you trust? He's like, well, because she does this and she does this. And I was like, you know, I'm done, done talking to you about this because we can't get anywhere with it. I got to make sure that I'm willing to own my part. Um, it always takes two to tango. And I would also say that uh, you can't cause, control, or cure anybody else's emotional well-being. So you, you can't say, I'm mad because he made me feel, or I'm I'm angry because she made me feel. That's mm-hmm. not true. Uh, your spouse did something, and because of that, you reacted in such a way. Um, now I have to wrestle with what I'm going to do with my own emotion. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault that I'm feeling this way. I just feel this way. Uh, that's something that was really revolutionary for my wife and I had to realize we uh, we visited with a marriage counselor for a few months and uh, we had to have permission to not feel responsible for the way the other person felt. Yeah. Because we would just get so mired up just feeling terrible for making the other person feel terrible. 
and it just caused this downward spiral between the two of us. Yeah. And I, you know, I was raised in a home where I wasn't allowed to have any, what's called emotional autonomy. Mm. Uh, I was, I felt however my mom felt and that, I mean, right, wrong, and different. That's the world I was mm-hmm. raised in. So I grew up believing that I'm only okay if you're okay, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever the you is in, in that moment. Like, so I spent all my energy trying to make sure that everybody else was emotionally okay. And, and that's not even possible. Number one, number two, I suck at that because I'm, <laughs> I'm like a, I'm like a chainsaw, right? Like personality wise. So I have a tendency to offend people really quickly, which I'm working on that. The Lord's knocking the edges <laughs> off of me, but, um, like but that, dull, you're like a dull chainsaw now. I'm like a dull chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. It just takes me longer, yeah. but I'll still, <laughs> I'll still mow you down. No, I, I, uh, that that's one of those things that when I don't have my own sense of emotional autonomy, what it taught me was I don't have to take responsibility for any of my own emotions because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only trying to take responsibility for her emotions, which isn't possible. But then I can also put all of my emotions because I'm totally focused on her. I transfer them yeah. onto her. That's called codependency. Yep. Um, that's what that's called. And uh, it's really yucky and it's destructive to yep. a relationship. And it, and it, it, it kind of masquerades as, like a positive thing. It's like, well, I care so much about this person. Yeah. But it, it's really destructive. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I care about you because I can't feel good unless you feel yeah. good. Yeah. It's still selfish at its core. Yep. But. Yep. I think uh, another huge, huge piece is uh, get in an accountability group. Like, and when I say that, I don't mean like we're going to meet on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. and we're going to talk about our marriage. That That's one way to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about like, Get people around you, and I'm people, not a person, but people around you that you can just share mutually where your marriage is at. Mm. How are things going? Um, and I would put a couple of boundaries on that because uh, what happens in a group like that a lot, and I see this a lot in young marrieds who get in groups with other young marrieds, both men and women. The group has a tendency to take on the offense of the person who's sharing. Mm. And what I mean by that is, so a group of guys are talking and one guy's like, man, my wife just won't have sex with me enough. And I just ask her and she says no all the time. It's like, she doesn't even care. She doesn't even know. And all the other guys are like, yeah, man, that must be so hard for you. I can't believe you're with her, man. You're like, you're like Jesus himself, you know, like they, they just go on and on and on. Uh, First Corinthians 13, where it talks about love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. One of the things that it says there is that it doesn't keep a record of wrong. And what that means in the Greek, literally what it says in the Greek there is that it doesn't take up an offense. Love doesn't take up an offense. Now, that's mutually, like between me and my spouse or me and my friend or whatever, I don't take up an offense against you. But I also love loving you well. And loving your spouse well would mean that I don't take up your offense against your spouse. Mm -hmm. That is so important. And we've got to be mature enough to do that in that kind of an environment where it's like, I can validate, gosh, that is hard. That is hard, man. I'm so sorry, but I don't have to be offended for you. Mm. Because then what happens is I fuel your angst against your spouse and that's not helpful. Yeah. I've I've seen that happen. Yes. It's, it's rough. Yeah, so you want to make sure that they love your spouse as much as they love you. Um and and I would say get get people in that in that group of people that you're turning to that are P 
peers in marriage, people that you've been married to the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. But I would say also get people in that group that have been married longer than you, people that are further down the road than you. Because what happens is when you share your story with them, they kind of, you know, tip their chin up and smile and go, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember that. And it's like, okay, this is hard, but I can make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it like – you know, they got through it. They've been, they've been married 10 more years than me. Like must be able to, there's, there's a way around this. Yeah. Or a way through and, this. I and my say. wife said, my wife said that uh, yesterday when I was visiting with her, she's like, when we were going through hard things, I felt like I was the only one. Mm-hmm. Like the, the mistake was we, we shouldn't be together because we were the only ones that argue a lot yeah. or we were the only ones that were having this trouble connecting physically or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt like we were the only ones. And by sharing her story, and especially with people who had been married longer than her, what she found out was that that's common yeah. in marriage and that everybody faces those things and you figure out how to do it. John Gottman, who wrote the book, What Makes Marriages Last, he's a professor at the University of Washington. Um, he did a 30-year study on marriage and watched marriages that succeed and marriages that fail and what are the commonalities in all of those things. Mm-hmm. Here's what he says about the the most successful marriages. In the most successful marriages, uh, they will reach 12 to 15 impasses in their relationship. That seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does. And, and people are typically surprised by that because they're like, well, the key to marriage is negotiation and compromise yeah. and we get everything figured out to get – no. And even in the most successful marriages, you'll have at at least 12 to 15 moments where you will never be on the same page. Mm. In the rest of your life, you'll never be on the same page. And that's okay for them because there's bigger things that they're living for rather than being right or getting their way. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's sobering. <laughs> yeah, but it's and it's the thing it, is people go encouraging. people yeah. go like, well, why get married then? Well, <laughs> because all that hard work, it like number one, it matures you and grows you in a way that nothing else can. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think that like being married to somebody over the long haul, you know, twenty five years is in our culture, unfortunately, a long time. Like my parents have been married fifty four years. Um, that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we just were talking with somebody the other day at the Target store in Coeur d'Alene that had been married. They just celebrated 60-year anniversary. Wow. Uh, that's a long time. Like the the having somebody that in all of life's ins and outs, you you stand side by side with them and, and go, we did this together. Like there's something about that that uh, really strokes at what we're created for. Mm-hmm. Like we're created for this communal reality in our life. And it's beautiful um, when you watch an older couple that's been through all the storms and, and they just like, they almost don't even have to talk anymore. You know, they just know each other so well. And that reality is just pretty awesome for people. Um, Yeah. So, and I, and I would say the other thing is to always be committed to growth and not rigidity. Um, It marriage is about negotiation and it's, Mm -hmm. it is about mutuality. It's not about getting my way. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that, but that's a huge that's a huge deal. Um, and I get that, like on a podcast like this, when we start broaching a subject like that, um, we're just scratching the surface for people who are really in the dumps and they're listening oh, yeah. to this going, man, we're fine. Hope for a marriage. Oh, this is so <clears throat> surface. Well, and there's so many specific issues, you know, to every couple that, you know, there's no way you can hit it all in what 30 minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would just encourage you this way. If you're listening to this, go, oh, man, I'm really struggling in my marriage. I, I would say, love your spouse enough 
to go to counseling with them. Mm-hmm. And if they won't go with you, love your spouse enough to go by yourself because the best gift that you can give to your marriage is a healthy you. Mm-hmm. And that's um, so important. Um, but I would really yeah. encourage that, like tell your story, get somebody that can help you process it and put some boundaries on them. What you'll find is that once you figure out that you still both really love each other, um, there's, I, I believe with all of my heart that any person can be married to any other person if they're willing to work at it mm-hmm. as exactly. long as, and and again, I put this caveat on it. We're not talking about abuse. We're not yeah. talking about things where there's, uh, you know, some of those bigger issues. That's the exception. That's not the norm. That's the exception. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. And that presents a whole nother conversation. But what we are talking about is, you know, in, in the average run of the mill, Joe Blow marriage, any person could be connected and married forever to any other person if they're both willing to work at it in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, um, just go back to like counseling for us has been amazing. You know, we've been married uh, seven years uh, back in the fall and we've gone through three or four kind of seasons of, of meeting with different people for counseling. We've met with you. We've met with Marty. We've met with your dad. We've mm-hmm. spent some time driving up to Coeur d'Alene every Friday to meet with a counselor up there because we were really stuck and we really needed professional help. And every time it's given us tools and vocabulary and, new insights into just where these things were that were just causing us to, to be stuck and to, you know, opening our eyes to areas where we weren't being selfless or where we weren't seeing the situation as it actually was. Yeah. And I know like for Kelly and I, we've had seasons where we've gone to counseling, extended seasons, both individual and couples counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not fun. It's expensive. It's, it's, it's not fun and it's expensive. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And, and you gotta be willing to, um, admit that you don't have it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, the th- great thing about counseling is when you put a third party in the middle of that, you don't get to blame yeah. everything on your spouse. You have to own your part and that's part of the value of it. So uh, one of the things that we want to leave you with is just some, uh, some things to help you get started. This this podcast is not going to solve your relational stuff, but it hopefully will be a spark that'll get healing started for you. I can tell you this, um, the three big ones in uh, my wife and I have been in ministry 26, 27 years now. The, the, the three big ones that we see in pastoral counseling uh, is sex is probably the top as far as marriage is concerned. Um, communication um, is a huge one. Uh, the funny thing about funny thing about sex in a, in a Christian context is there's so much misunderstanding just even about what sex is, and there's so much misunderstanding about uh, the husband and wife's obligation to one another. Like, and everyone's kind of scared to talk about it because it's been so taboo. Yeah, yeah. And so I I'm just like, if you guys are struggling sexually please do yourself a favor and talk about it with somebody like mm-hmm. it'll be helpful. And if, yeah, just that's all I'll say about that. Um, there's a lot more to say about that, but in the interest of time, we'll move on. Um, the communication is a big one. Let me put this one piece in here. Good communication doesn't mean that we understand each other completely. The first time we say something mm-hmm. doesn't mean there's no conflict, right? Doesn't mean there's no conflict. Even the other day, my wife was like, 
uh, we were talking and she said, this is one of those moments where I just feel like you don't even hear me. Like our communication sucks. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, you didn't understand what I said. I said, yeah, but I'm fighting to understand you. Uh, I, I'm trying to ask clarifying questions so that I can understand you. That mm-hmm. is good communication. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not, that's not bad communication. Here. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad communication. That's good communication. It's it, And that's the, having a common definition of that and realistic expectations mm-hmm. is really important. Like good communication isn't, we're just in sync all the time. It's that we work at it until mm-hmm. we really know that we understand one mm-hmm. another. That's the commitment and not out of anger and that kind of thing. The other thing that I would say is more and more and more what we're seeing is people coming in that have past trauma, uh, abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, neglect, those kinds of things that are showing up in their relationship and they're having massive amounts of intimacy issues. And I'm, when I'm talking about intimacy, I'm not talking about sex only. I'm talking about all levels mm-hmm. of intimacy, just connectedness. Yeah, just the ability to be be emotionally connected. Yeah, because they've just they've just developed this life. The way they survived was to cut themselves off. Mm-hmm. You may hurt this body, but you can't hurt me. Um, here's all I'll say about that at this point. Um, there is so much awesome research coming out about how to treat that well. Please do yourself the favor of doing the hard work to find a counselor that will help you with that. Um, it, it's not your fault. Trauma is not your fault. It happened. It's not your fault, but it is yours to deal with. And so we can't – what a lot of people do is they'll acknowledge the source of the trauma and quit. Yeah. Uh, and that's not far enough. You actually have to deal with it mm-hmm. and move past it, and, and you can there is healing and there is freedom and that does exist and you can have that. Yeah. Um, so some just basic resources, any of the books that I mentioned earlier, what makes marriages last sacred marriage. Um, those are great resources. If you're dealing love with love and respect, love and respect. Yeah. It's a great program. That's a, like a groups program where you go mm-hmm. through lessons with a small group. That's awesome. Um, if you are dealing with the effects of an affair, um, there is a great book called Torn Asunder um, that is really helpful in helping restore the relationship. I really have seen um, relationships that you're like, man, I don't know how the Lord's going to put this back together. And they'll work through that book and you're like, that is nothing short of a miracle. It's just nothing short of a miracle. And so I really recommend that book. Um, you had a podcast that you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to throw out a recommendation. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're probably someone who likes podcasts. Um, uh, the Anatomy of Marriage podcast, uh, my wife and I started listening to it a couple of years ago. It's a couple out of Seattle. He's actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, but uh, but ironically, their their marriage like was just a mess and like almost fell apart completely. And uh they share a lot of their story and then they share a lot of tools and resources for couples and they bring in interviews and uh, yeah, for us, it's been really good. You know, they're a little bit younger couple too. So it's, you know, for people in their twenties and thirties, I think there'd be some really good, good uh, resources there. Yeah. Awesome. We'll link all of this up in the show notes uh, so you can find it all um, the books, the podcast and uh, yeah. Anything, anything you want to close out with Aaron? Yeah. I would throw this one piece out. If you're listening to this as a 20 or 30 year old, and you have little kids, like four and younger, um, please know this. Um, For my wife and I, having little kids was the lowest point in our marriage. (laughs) And I say that not to um, discourage you, but to actually encourage you, because I want you to hear me say it does get better. And having little kids, as cute as they are, and as much fun as they are, it is hard, because they are 100% take. 
I'm right smack dab in the middle of that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's hard because you just don't you're not you don't often have t- any energy for one another. And mm-hmm. plus, at, at that stage of life, you're trying to build your career, and so you're working extra hours, and, and on and on and on it goes. There's a lot of factors playing into that. But if you're in that position, man, hang in there. It's going to get better. And uh, I promise you that if you if you build a healthy foundation now, it's going to pay massive dividends down the road. Well, thanks so much for that, Aaron. Uh, I feel like you were kind of just talking directly to me at the end there. That was. <laughs> and if your name's Gus, you should especially pay attention to this. Oh man! All right, don't make me cry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, if you uh, have more suggestions, feedback, questions, uh, as always, you can email Aaron at liferotp.com. Uh, put a better conversation in the subject line. We'd love to hear what you want us to talk about. And uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Share it with a friend. Leave a review if you find this helpful. Uh, chances are someone you know will find it helpful as well. So until next time, thanks for listening. Have a great week.